Welcome to Saving You is Killing Me, Loving Someone with an Addiction podcast. Loving someone with an addiction is a life of chaos. This podcast is to help you take back your power and build strength, hope, and restore peace in your life. We use the science and art of positive psychology, professionals in their field, along with personal stories of hope, resilience, and strength. We hope you can discover how the courage to focus on you can help put your life back together. When you are in a place of exhaustion, hopelessness, and emptiness, we are a community that knows all too well the turmoil that comes from loving someone with an addiction. We are here to help you compassionately struggle well. Hey there, Andrea here. I hope you're doing as good as can be. I am so excited because we have such a wonderful guest coming on the show today, and we are going to talk a lot about betrayal trauma. Roxanne Kennedy Granada, she really does share her personal life experience, and she is a host and author, and she's actually the author of the book, Cutting Ties, Healing Betrayal Trauma as the Spouse of an Addict. This is such a great book. You're going to want to get your hands on a copy. She is is also the host of Choose In, and it's a podcast that is really, really amazing in helping us navigate the turmoil that might come from loving someone with an addiction and really helps us to uncover what might be holding us back. And she guides us to really see our reality. So what is truth so that we can begin to choose healing and to move forward in life um, and just becoming the best version of ourselves is how she would say it. So we can go from, I don't know what to do to taking action and getting our life back. So you can see why I'm so excited to have her on the show today. And um, she is such an inspiration. You're going to, in a second, you're going to meet her. Uh, Again, it's Roxanne Kennedy Granada, and um, she is all about real experiences and and just uh, delving in from her education, her training and everything that she, um, she's studied hundreds of hours in counseling and mentor groups. And she's also facilitated 12-step partner programs. And uh, she is definitely, become a specialist in navigating betrayal trauma. So that is why I'm so thrilled to have her on the show. And so let's get right to it. And I hope you enjoy this. I'm so excited because I have such a great guest on the show today, and she is going to help us navigate everything to do with betrayal trauma. Now, I know that when you love someone with an addiction, sometimes there's some damage that's done. Uh, There's things that happen that maybe really leave us feeling experiences of betrayal in a relationship. And it's really damaging. It can damage trust. It can damage safety feelings of safety as well as security. And you know what? It also affects the bond that we have with our partner and betrayal trauma is real. And so we are going to talk all about it. And I would first love to introduce you to Roxanne and Roxanne, please tell us a little bit about yourself. Okay. All right. I'm Roxanne Kennedy Granada. I'm an author, speaker, mentor. I have a podcast all sorts of things. But what I do is I talk to women, mainly some men who are spouses or ex-spouses or partners of an addict. These women are looking for help because they struggle with the trigger and trauma from the betrayal of infidelity because of their partner's sex addiction. So not all of my clients have exact, they're not in sex addiction or their partners that it could be any addiction or any betrayal of any kind. 
And they're just trying to find that healing and freedom from the chaos that trauma causes. And so because I've walked the road and I've done the work and I have the tools, I show them how to be happy again. And then that's even possible. Amazing. Oh my goodness. So you say a few things in there like, and yeah, like whatever the the person that we love with an addiction, whatever that is, it comes with certain degrees of betrayal. So can you explain why that is? Why is it that betrayal is like really like it goes hand in hand almost with when, you know, when we love someone with an addiction? Right. That makes so much sense that you say it that way, that it does cause something. And it's because when we are in a relationship If we have a healthy brain, we are thinking commitment. We think loyalty, integrity, honesty. We think we can trust them with everything that we are. We come vulnerable and raw. So when we find out that there has been dishonesty or deceit or manipulation or anything that is severe to where we're shocked that how could we be treated this way, we have this form of betrayal. And, and it just affects us in a way where we don't know who to trust. Should we trust ourselves? Should we trust them? And, and we have to navigate through that. And we, we kind of get knocked on the ground. It's like getting run over by a car, really. And we're like, wait, what just happened? What, what are we supposed to do now? Our reality is no longer what we thought it was. Oh, so true. And yes, it's definitely a feeling of being knocked on the ground. Um, so, okay. So how, like, how do people navigate this? How, you talk about navigating betrayal trauma and um, how is it like, what are some of your strategies or your tools that you can recommend? So we want to look at it of what is happening to us inside of us. It seems like at the beginning we are in trauma and you, you can't really navigate yourself out of it. You have to work through it. When, when you're triggered by something, if you see your spouse do something and you're not sure if they are acting out with using their drug of choice or doing something, you will feel panic, right? It, it like starts welling up like, oh no, no, no. That's a trigger response that causes trauma. And generally when we're in that state of, of mind, in our state of being, when our body is having like that visceral reaction to something, we have to just ride through it because we can't change our mind because it's not logic at that point. So when we're not in trauma, when we know, okay, I'm in this situation, I have to figure this out. We have to work on healing our own self. We can't change them. We can't make them stop using. We can't do anything in controlling them. It doesn't work. It just makes us more crazy. So we have to look at where are my wounds? What do I need? How do I go about doing that? And generally that's not something we can do on our own. We need somebody to walk us through it. And the reason is is because we only know what we know. We don't know what we don't know. So if this is new, in my experience, I didn't know addiction at all. I didn't even know anything. I I just had so such limited capacity to even understand what I was in for that how am I supposed to know then how to navigate or manage it? I can't. I had to reach out. I had to read books. I had to find counseling in my specific area so that I could start helping me learn how to trust my own gut and know how to make decisions for myself regardless. Oh, that's so amazing. I love that. And the idea of like healing our own self is like the key is, but not in the moment of when we are triggered, not in the moment where we have that amygdala hijack where our, we go into the stress response. It's like, ah, like you can't even really, you know, you don't know what to do. You're not really logically functioning at that point in our brain. Um, so when we've moved past that visceral experience, you're saying is to move to a place where, okay, like I need to look inward at myself and, and think about how I can heal my own self. 
And then also, I love what you said. It's like, what do I need? I remember I, I have this thing where I started doing is like, I wake up in the morning, like, what am I needing? What am I feeling? What am I wanting? And just those questions helped me just tap back into myself. It's like, well, I'm feeling, you know, all kinds of emotions, or I'm feeling anger and I feel at my jaw, I feel at my fists and I feel, you know, well, what am I needing? I need to, you know, take care of myself, or I need to take initiative, or I need to set boundaries, or I need to, you know, go out with my girlfriends, like whatever it is, it's amazing how if you just get quiet and you ask that question and kind of tap back into your own needs. I love that you brought that up. And then the other piece is um, I the, that really helped me too is that reaching out, right? Talking to friends, talking to family or a therapist or a life coach or some someone that you can talk with that can help you navigate that, that can help you work through those triggers and everything is so powerful. Journaling also, right, is so powerful, right? I always say it's like it's like speaking and listening at the same time. Yeah, when I find that I am overwhelmed, when I start feeling my body get really, really like filled up with too much stress, chaos, where I start feeling myself uh, out of sorts, where I'm like, I don't know how to do this. I don't know how to navigate this. That's when I know I have too much inside. And so journaling is something that I do. If you can just write it on paper, scribble it on paper, scream it on paper, anything you want, that so helps. Or if you don't like writing, go on a drive and yell it out, yell it out to the sky and say all this stuff, because that's the only way you can actually come to that place of what do you really need? Like you're saying, if we're packed with stuff, we can't actually hear that really internal voice that says what you need right now is connection or you're feeling fearful. Okay. What am I feeling fearful about? Well, I'm feeling fearful that my marriage is going to end or, or whatever it is, but you can't hear anything when you when you're so overwhelmed. Oh, I love that. So one of the first steps, right, especially when we're in that visceral place, or we have like that anger built up. And I love the way you put it. It's packed, we're packed with stuff. And yeah, I know I've gone in my car, I'm like being, oh my gosh, like, yeah, profanities, like everything comes out in that moment. The other thing is I created this wonderful dance, um, where I put my middle finger up and I would just dance. And it's amazing how it just takes that energy and it puts it into motion. It's like moving it out of your body or vocalizing it or just like getting it out. Um, I love that. So that's kind of like backing up before we can do the healing, before we can really tap into like, what is it that we're wanting? What is it that we're needing and, and what's important to us? And, and, and being able to go into that space, we need to first um, get through that or work through rather that experience that maybe is more visceral and maybe emotional as well. Yeah. We don't want to lose ourselves. So if we are acting and reacting from that place of overwhelm, then we're acting from that place in our brain that isn't logic, that isn't even, that isn't neutral. We're like coming with an attack. We are, we're not even actually yelling or, or at our partner or whoever, with even the right focus, really. It's just that we're out of sorts. So when we yell it out, scream it out, I did the same thing as you. I like drove in my car. I'm yelling to God. I'm like, you did this. You did not save me from this. How is this even <laughs> happening? And then, you know what? He doesn't even care. Like, or your higher power, however it goes, it doesn't matter. It's just, you get it out. And then I could calm. I'm like, okay, 
what do you want to tell me? What really do I need to know? Then you can tap into that inner voice or your gut instinct of, okay, I am okay. Or this is what I need to talk to somebody about. And then you can go talk to them in a more communicative way and more neutral so that you can actually get results. Otherwise you're going to lose you just right alongside of them losing them to addiction. You're going to lose yourself to craziness. Oh, yes. So Mm -hmm. true. And I love the piece too about, um, acknowledging those emotions though, right? And the reality is, is instead of just putting those emotions under the carpet or like just like being so full with maybe it's anger, maybe it's frustration or disappointment. It's like all those emotions have a place and they're, and they're valid. So we're not really saying like, like not admitting to those emotions really about, okay, acknowledging that those emotions are there and just working through them. And I, and I've heard the expression that emotions are energy in motion, like they need to move. And you need to get them out. So I I love that you made that suggestion as well. So can you talk a little bit about the actual emotions that come along with betrayal? And then maybe if there's some strategies to navigate them beyond what we just talked about? Okay, sure. So some of them, at least in my case with sex addiction, there is a huge emotion tied to my self-worth self-esteem, if I'm good enough. That was a lot that came up for me in, oh my goodness, like, am I, am I not cute enough, sexy enough, nice Mm. enough? And so I would try everything. Okay. He's going to come in from in the door from work and I'm going to greet him so nicely and so loving. And I just did everything in the book to try and convince him that I was enough. Right. So that's an emotion Mm. that comes up of fear of, of anything, the fear of, of that what you thought was your reality isn't is huge because it it can come back on you where you feel ashamed. I chose this person. I didn't know. How did I not know he was lying to me? How did I not see this? How did I not notice the red flags? And so we tend to shame ourselves. So there's emotion tied with that, which the shame as hard as it is to let go of is it's a false belief. It is so not necessary because you again, you can't know what you don't know. So when we do know better, we do better. Sure. You've heard that before. So we have to learn it and then go, Oh, so it's about coming to awareness of, okay, what am I feeling? It's like what you said before, Andrea, about all the different things inside. Like, Hey, what am I feeling? If I can not push it under the rug, if I can see it for what it is, okay, I feel sad. I feel so weak. I feel fragile. I I'm feeling distressed. I'm feeling like Who am I even going to tell? Nobody even knows. They all think we have our life together. They think I'm so strong and I thought I was, and here I am now in this abusive relationship and I didn't even know, right? There's so many things. And so it's a matter of just, just feelings, obviously feeling what we feel, but noticing that it's okay to feel them, like you said. And those are kind of some of the things that come up uh, along with so many others. Oh my gosh, that's so good. And it's just, I love that you, like what, what you said about, um, is really tough when you think something is going to go a certain way and then it doesn't go that way. Like, and that is like basically betrayal, right? When you think like, I thought that I was, you know, with the love of my life, I thought that like, this was going to be it for me. It was my, I had already been divorced. It's like, I was, I loved every like morsel of this person's being. And I thought that this was going to be it right. Um, for the rest of my life. And so suddenly it's like, that was pulled out from underneath 
underneath me. And, um, and so oftentimes, yes, like there's that idea or that energy of shame. It's like, they're picking that over me. It's like, you feel, you feel this degree of betrayal. It's like, how dare you like throw our life together away? Like we had so much like love together and like you destroyed it. (laughs) So I can see like, you know, it's, it's amazing how, um, like, I love the way you put it too, about this energy of shame. It's like, just not necessary. And then just working through those emotions. And I I think that that piece of self-awareness is so key um, when it comes to like honoring those emotions and, and, um, and, and that level of self-respect, like turning it back onto healing at that point. Sometimes when we are in a relationship with someone who struggles with addiction, we're, we're hearing the manipulation, right? We hear the lies, the, the blame shifting, the things that would cause us to question our own sanity or mm-hmm. even our own memories of what something is. Oh, so and so true. sometimes when we have been knocked down, so our person, our partner has betrayed us in some way and we voice that. And then because of their own shame, they don't want to hear that. And so they want us to heal fast. They want us to get over it. Are you not over it by now? You're like, oh, okay. You just, I'm looking at our life going, what is even true? Right. I think looking my whole life is a lie. Like I just thought we had the best life and now I know different. And so what am I supposed to do with that? And they're wanting you to heal really fast. And sometimes we take that ownership of, of needing to navigate that relationship to save it, that we will put our own feelings under the rug, like we talked about, so that we can save it when it's not even our job to save. We should be allowed to take as much time as we need because we've been lied to, manipulated, deceived, and all sorts of other Mm. things. It's a hard place, but that's a good place to remember. Wait a second. He wants me to heal only because he will feel better about himself if I do. This is not about him. This is now about me. Mm. A good way to look at it is if you're in a car accident and you another car came and hit you, you might have broken bones. You may need physical therapy. You may need surgery or cast or whatever. You, you might have to do this for a year. The person who hit you is not going to be the one to come and fix you. They're not going to make it better. They're not even going to make it right. But you still have to choose to do the work to heal. You can say, oh my gosh, I can't believe he hit me. And now I have to do this stuff. I'm just going to sit here and not do physical therapy. Well, then you're never going to be walking properly again, right? You're not going to be healed. And so it's the same thing with something like this, emotional betrayal or emotional trauma might not be physical, but you have to do the same healing work inside for yourself. They won't heal it. And you have to take to take the time to do it. Ooh, you raised such a fascinating point here. So, I mean, you've given us so many tools of resilience and uh, strategies to deal with betrayal trauma. Um, and then I love this addition to about taking the time to heal and that it's it's up to us. And so then I'm curious, you know, if, if, if you were to give like maybe three suggestions or three, um, you know, uh, nuggets or tools that people could take away um, to help themselves heal, uh, what, what would some of them be? Uh, learn to own your power by, by getting the help you need. You really do need to talk to someone who understands what you're going through. It can be like a counselor or a coach or a mentor. It can be a friend who's gone through the same thing, but somebody that's in a healthy place that could hear you that could listen to you. That's one. The other is just starting to be aware of what your reality is because we so often dismiss it. We live on the surface because we want things to be okay or our our partner has told us they're okay. So we say, well, it's fine. It's all fine. And we would rather live there because it's easier for a time. 
but then the truth always hits us back in the face and then we're reminded and we're back in the pit again. So if you want to start healing, you have to start looking at it clearly and noticing. The other thing is, is to truly, truly try to keep shame out of it. It's hard, but keep reminding yourself, I'm okay. I'm learning new things. I'm growing. I'm going to, to learn these things so I can change the way I think and feel and, and react and notice things because that's kind of your road to healing. You can't heal if you don't even recognize that you're worth saving. If you just think you're the worst, I'm the worst because I did this. No, you're not the worst. Did this turn out terribly? Yes. Did somebody else's decisions change your life? Yes, they did. So now where do we go from here? It's always forward. Yes. You look at the back part, the past to heal, but you can't live there and you can't live in the future of the unknown. You just have to stay present. Oh my gosh. So many amazing nuggets you provided us, Roxanne. So owning your power. So thinking, like tapping in and reaching out to the people actually that can support you. So not doing this on your own, that that is one of your major suggestions for healing. And also just being aware of the reality. I know sometimes we just dismiss it and we stay too long in a relationship perhaps, or, you know, and it's uh, just being, you know, and and there's that expression, like actions speak louder than words, right? (laughs) And that's powerful. So just being aware of the reality and also keeping shame out of the equation. I love that suggestion and that we're, we're human, right? We're going through, sometimes we go through really challenging things when we love someone with an addiction. The idea here is that you're constantly learning and growing and that you know what you're human and this is hard acknowledging that it's hard but at the same time it's you know you're worthy you're worthy of growth and learning and opportunities oh my gosh so many amazing uh wonderful strategies um now you are an author of an amazing book and you have a podcast and i know so many people are going to want to get a hold of you and you offer so much support um please let us know where people could get a hold of you Okay. They can just go to my website, RoxanneKennedyGranada.com. And I did write a book. It came out a couple years ago. It's called Cutting Ties, Healing Betrayal Trauma as the Spouse of an Addict. And that cover photo, when you go look at it, is a real picture. Just so you know, I won't spoil the story (laughs) now. You can read it. It's the first chapter, but I actually did cut those ties that are on the front. They were my husband's ties. And so that's there. And uh, I have mentoring services. Yes. And I do do a podcast. It's called Choose In. And I just offer these kinds of things. We talk about boundaries or emotional resilience or, or taking your power or emotional brain versus logical brain, because the logic heals so quick and the emotional takes so long to catch up and it's okay. It's all okay. It's all okay. Oh, I know everyone's going to want to go over there and check out your podcast as well as get your book. And I'll have all the links in the show notes, of course, for everybody who's listening. Uh, Roxanne, I cannot thank you enough for being on the show today and sharing your wisdom and your knowledge with the listeners. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for listening to this podcast. If you want additional support, you can head on over to my website at andreasidel.com where we have a wonderful, supportive, compassionate community. We also have a private Facebook group and Instagram feed called Saving You Is Killing Me, Loving Someone With An Addiction. Be sure to subscribe here so you get the latest episodes. And of course, share this with your community and your support groups or anyone going through this struggle so that we can all work together to take back our lives and restore joy. 
Thank you so much for joining me, not only today, but also week after week. I'm so grateful that I get to show up for you and share these episodes every single week so that we can go on this journey together. Until next week, sending hugs.